Greetings to my lovely audience. My name is Sylvan. I use he, him pronouns, and welcome back to LGBTQSU. Hope everyone's having a great week. Uh, I, I've... I need this weekend to be longer, guys. <laughs> I've barely gotten a break. I need my weekends to actually be, like, an end to the week, and it has not been an end to the week. Uh, on Friday, that's, to be fair, Friday night was entirely my fault. I was literally just hanging out with people. Saturday morning, I had student ambassador stuff. We had another student success day. Though, I did get to educate a student on the gay community and resources we have here on campus, so that was very fun and informative. And then we also had Grom yesterday, Gay Prom, which I was unfortunately physically unable to stay for more than 26 minutes. Uh, but I hope everyone had a great time that got to go and, you know, stay. Um, and then this morning I had, to, I had to go to chapel service for the university choir, which I'm still in my suit. I haven't gone back to my dorm yet. <laughs> so, you know, we're doing great. We're going to be all fancy for today's for today's episode, which is funny because today's episode is all... So it's going to be a very easy laid back episode because I'm just going to be reading you gay poetry. <laughs> uh, wanted something nice and easy and something enjoyable. Um, and I've been wanting to do a gay poetry episode for a bit. Um, so I don't have too many. I just have the five poets. Um, though for one of them, I have multiple distinct poems. And one of them, she doesn't exactly have like full poems. Um, but I'll explain that later. Um, so it's just the five poets. Uh, so I don't know how long this episode's gonna be. Probably not super long, but, I mean, you know, the poetry itself does take a little bit to read through. Um, and for the first, like, it's not really in any particular order. Um, the first three are modern art, the, the first three are modern authors, and then the last two are older artists. Well, yeah, artists. They're older, they're older artists. Uh, so we're... I'm going to be giving like a little blurb on each author just, you know, make, you know, add a little bit of context instead of just going straight into the poetry. So starting off with the modern art authors, we are beginning with Ollie Schminke. Ollie is a non-binary transgender poet, musician, and artist living in St. Paul, Minnesota. They have a lot of poetry posted to YouTube through Button Poetry, which is a super cool, a really super cool group. Um, I listen to a lot of their slam poetry, um, like, some of my favorite poems that I've ever heard have come from Button Poetry. Um, so check them out on YouTube. Uh, but Ollie, uh, their work that's on YouTube has actually acquired over 2 million views, which is really cool. They're the author of two chapter books and a full-length poetry collection, which is called Dead Dad Jokes, which I think is funny. <laughs> um, they also make super... No, they, they make creepy cute pottery under the name Sick Kitty Ceramics. Uh, so... Yeah, I, uh, this, this, the, actually, all three of the first, oh my goodness, I can't talk. The three first artists are all from my friend, um, they were all recommended to me, so I have never heard of, I'd never heard of these three authors before, so I'm quite excited, and I really like the poem that I have here for, for us today. It's called Boobs by Ollie Schminke. Uh, so that'll be great. The first part, I'm, I'm gonna have to censor it a little bit, a little bit, uh, but it's about being trans, and I really connected with it, so without it, without further ado, this is Boobs by Ollie Schminke. The first time I ever touched someone else's breasts, it was like discovering the seven wonders of the sexual world, the Great Pyramid of, God, this is awesome. Sometimes people ask me when I knew I was queer. I'm pretty sure I knew before I touched the boob, but after the boob? 
Oh, after the boob, everything was made clear to me. One boob, two boob, big boob, small boob, to hold them in my hands or mouth or feel them pressed against my chest. I am a certified enthusiast. I love the back arch, the small sigh. Touching these bodies almost makes me believe in God because I don't trust nature to create anything this good. But I also know that most gods punish more than they forgive, and my own body feels more like a guillotine than a gift. Sometimes people ask me when I knew I was transgender. They ask me if I feel I was born in the wrong body, as if gender is that simple. As if my body is a pair of handcuffs chaining me to housewife, to mother, to woman. I am not trapped in my body. I am trapped in other people's perceptions of my body. My body is something I can only love from afar, a mistress I can only caress in secret. It is death by way of choking. I have no air to even call for help. I tell myself that top surgery is expensive. It's dangerous. The backaches from binding aren't really all that bad. Besides, I love boobs on other people. Why can't I just love my own? But when I tell people my name, they still use the wrong one. I say not girl, and they give me back woman, lady, she. I say not woman, and they say silly girl, it is not up for you to decide. And I don't want to hate my body for this. My body is not wrong. The way people talk about my body is wrong. But my body is the only thing I can change. My best friend asks me why I want top surgery, a voluntary double mastectomy. He asks me why I would want to cut off a perfectly healthy body part. I tell him it is not healthy to feel unsafe in my body. This chest feels like a misplaced sex organ. If you had a penis growing from your elbow, you'd probably want to cut it off. People would come up to you and talk to you about your elbow penis. They would never let you be anything more than your body. I am more than my body. But these days, I can only love my chest like a good cry. When my friend says I am a burial ground, my life becomes a constant funeral, and I can't be happy with all of those ghosts living inside me. So stop calling me deceased. Stop calling me diseased. Stop looking at my body and chaining me to whoever you think it makes me. I was not born into the wrong body. I was born into a body that does not know what my body... I was born into a world that does not know what my body means. I am not trapped in my body. I am trapped in other people's perceptions of my body. My body is not wrong. The way people talk about my body is wrong, but my body is the only thing I can change. I was not born into the wrong body. I was born into a world that does not know what my body means. So that was Boobs by Ollie Schminke. And wow, I really connected with it. Um, in particular, uh, I really liked... Uh, where is it? Where is it? Uh, <laughs> I can't find it. Right. Besides, I love boobs on other people. Why can't I just love my own? I have distinctly said those words essentially verbatim to multiple friends for multiple years. And like just this this feeling of like my body is something I can only love from afar, a mistress I can only caress in secret. Like I felt really guilty for, you know, the way that I perceive my body sometimes and, you know, without being grossly personal, uh you know, like my relationship to my body along with other people. Um, I felt really guilty and felt really weird about it sometimes. And I just really connected with Ollie's perspective on the whole thing of like, I'm not trapped in my body. I, and like how it's not my body that's wrong. It's other people's perception of it, but I cannot change their perception without changing my body. And it's really weird to think about it that way. That, like, I don't ever encourage people to change themselves 
to fit other people's perspectives. And yet here I am wanting to get top surgery in order to present the way that I want to and have people see me the way that I need them to. But yeah, okay, but I don't I don't want to spend the whole episode, you know, dissecting this one poem. We have four other authors to get through. But yeah, so that that's Ollie Schminky. You can find more of them on Button Poetry on youtube.com. They also have their own website. Um, which you can also find the website and the button poetry of Andrea Gibson, which is our next poet. So Andrea is a poet and activist from Maine and has lived in Boulder, Colorado since 1999. Their poetry focuses on gender norms, politics, social reform, and LGBTQ struggles. They have also published multiple books and albums where they combine spoken word with music and also work, as I mentioned, with button poetry. They were the first poet ever to win the Women of the World Poetry Slam in 2008 as well. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into First Love by Andrea Gibson. I don't think I ever really kissed any boys. I think my tongue had just been punching their tongues. But as soon as you loved me, all my callus went away. My hands so soft it hurt to pray. You'd pick me up at my Catholic college and I'd sleep for hours until we reached your house. The first time in my life I'd ever rested... The first time I didn't have to play a role I'd never really wanted to get. That's the medicine it is to be finally seen by someone. I'd crack a smile and you'd point to my chest and say, what just broke? I'd throw my body in the river, but you'd say my name right and I'd become a stone that skipped. Do you remember the first record where we didn't have to change the pronouns to sing along? We'd gone so many years without music that knew us. Music that knew you could arch your back and I'd have proof that the earth was round. Blessed who we were then bless who we are still. My straight friends tease me because all my best friends are my ex-loves, but a wise heart told me that's it's the most tender part of queerness. How we've all lost so much family when we find people we call family will do almost anything to not let go. Thank goodness for the ice storm that trapped us in that cheap hotel where I drank an entire bottle of something awful, and with my fisherman's accent that I hadn't yet chased away, I finally told you that I'd loved you since we were 15, playing basketball under the streetlights beside the poorest part of the sea, the ice storm froze the world outside into a photograph of the past while I kneeled down and kissed my future onto your kneecaps. Two decades talking to Jesus. That was the first time I heard him talk back. Months later, church bells ringing through my dorm room, I wrote my senior thesis about you, and no one knew how hard I was praying to stop my hiding myself in metaphor, to be brave enough to carve the truth into the chapel drawer. Only you can imagine how much time I spent picking out my outfit the night you took me to my first queer bar in Portland, Maine, the biggest city I'd ever walked through. I was so excited and so scared that we'd be spotted or killed on our way inside. We sat in the parking lot for over an hour till I changed my mind, and you drove me home, mascara pouring down my brand new boy shirt. I couldn't have guessed there'd ever come a time like the winter we traveled to Blue Hill to visit your mother. Asleep, we arrived after midnight. She'd lit her room with candles and rested a joint in the center of the bed. Neither of us were any good at smoking, but we pulled her welcome into our lungs like it was 100 years of oxygen. Up until then, we didn't know any in th anyone in the world would celebrate us, wiping the steam from the glass to see each other blushing in the same bathroom mirror in the morning. I was thinking about that a few months ago when I was invited back to my co Catholic college to read my poems for the first time. You in the front row near the nuns and the school president and the teacher who had given me an A on a manuscript I had been too terrified to write your name in. Mandy, I know so much has not gotten easier. I know so much has not gotten better, but that moment knocked the wind out of me, time finally being the kind of father we all deserve. 
the world turning its porch light on for us. It was so bright I could feel the freckles on my 15-year-old face warming in its glow. I could, feel tra I could feel hope traveling backward to find us, to whisper into our chests, there will be music for you one day. And that was First Love by Andrea Gibson. And wow. Ugh. It, ugh. I think this, it's so pretty. It's so, it's just so, it's so relatable. Even for me, like somebody, like I'm a, I'm a queer person that has thankfully never had to go through that much social pushback for my identity and my sexuality in particular. Um, of course, my history isn't, you know, completely without bruises, but most of it wasn't from the public. But even without that, like it just hits and resonates so hard for me. Um, and it, it fills me with so much catharsis to read and to hear poetry from older queer people talking about their struggle and the release that they get from that struggle only sometimes. And I, I really love the writing style too. It's just, yeah, I really liked that poem. I think it's really, really pretty. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was Andrea Gibson. Um, they also have a website. Um, they go on tour. Uh, oh, also Ollie Schminke does go on tour too. Forgot to mention that. So you can find both of them online and find them on tours. I believe Andrea is actually touring currently, if I remember correctly. I'm on her website, or I'm on their website right now. Um, yeah, there's a tour. Yeah, they're touring. Um, currently, their tour dates are in May and November. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can check them out, and you can also check out their books. And finally, our last modern author for today is Richard Sykin, who I have multiple poems for because... Uh, as I mentioned, my friend recommended the first three authors for me for this episode, and they really, really like his work. Um, so Richard Sykin is a poet, painter, and filmmaker from New York and lives in, in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, so I have four poems here today. Right. Okay. Uh, but more, uh, the rest of the blurb, uh, he's published three books, Blue Jupiters, which is the most recent, War of the Foxes, and Crush, which won the 2004 Yale Series of Younger Poets and was a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award, the Lambda Literary Award, and the Tom Gunn Award. So, we shall start. Uh, this one is actually just called 24, um, and I love this one. This one, it's not my favorite of the ones here, I think, but it is one of them. So, 24 by Richard Sykin. You're in a car with a beautiful boy. And he won't tell you that he loves you, but he loves you. And you feel like you've done something terrible, like robbed a liquor store or swallowed pills or shoveled yourself a grave in the dirt, and you're tired. You're in a car with a beautiful boy, and you're trying not to tell him that you love him. And you're trying to choke down the feeling, and you're trembling. But he reaches over, and he touches you, like a prayer for which no words exist. And you feel your heart taking root in your body, like you've discovered something you don't even have a name for. Huh. The ugh. It's very short, but it's really, really pretty. Like, I just, I really liked that one. And I also really like this next one, which I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation for. Uh, Scheherazade? I think. Um, I hope that's right. Um, I couldn't, I didn't have, I, I was going to say I didn't have the time. I just forgot to look up the pronunciation for that one prior. So that's my bad. But this is another, uh, Scheherazade, I think. 
by Richard Sykin. Tell me about the dream where we pulled the bodies out of the lake and dressed them in warm clothes again. How it was late and no one could sleep. The horses running until they forget that they are horses. It's not like a tree where the roots have to end somewhere. It's more like a song on a policeman's radio. How we rolled up the carpet so we could dance and the days were bright red and every time we kissed, there was another apple to slice into pieces. Look at the light through the window pane. That means it's noon. That means we're inconsolable. Tell me how all of this and love too will ruin us. These are bodies possessed by light. Tell me we'll never get used to it. Ah, it's so romantic, but like so tragic too. And that's like a lot of Richard's stuff from what I can tell. Um, it's really pretty. These next two, uh, the final two from Richard Sykin, um, are a little longer. This, this next one is the longest, but I have to do this one first. I have to. It's very important. This one is called Dirty Valentine by Richard Sykin. There are so many things I'm not allowed to tell you. I touch myself. I dream. Wearing your clothes or standing in the shower for over an hour, pretending that this skin is your skin, these hands your hands, these shins, these soapy flanks. The musicians start the overture while I hide behind the microphone, trying to match the dubbing to the big lips shining down from the screen. We're filming the movie called Planet of Love. There's sex, of course, and ballroom dancing, fancy clothes and water lilies in the pond, and half the night you're a dependable chap, mounting the stairs and lamplight to the bath, but then the two white teeth all night. All over the American sky, too much to bear, this constant fingering, your hands a river gesture, the birds in flight, the birds still singing outside the greasy window in the trees. There's a part in the movie where you can see right through the acting where you can tell that I'm about to burst into tears right before I burst into tears and flee to the slimy, moonlit riverbed, canopied with devastated clouds. We're shooting the scene where I swallow your heart and you make me spit it up again. I swallow your heart and it crawls right out of my mouth. You swallow my heart and flee, but I want it back now, baby. I want it back. Lying on the sofa with my eyes closed, I didn't want to see it this way, everything eating everything in the end. We know how the light works. We know where the sound is coming from. Verse, chorus, verse. I'm sorry. We know how it works. The world is no longer mysterious. Mm -hmm. Gosh. Ugh. It's so sad. Like, it's so sad. It's so gay and tragic and sad. And, like, my favorite thing about this is that this one isn't even inherently queer. Like, I mean, so far of the of the ones that I've read, the only one that's inherently queer is you're in the car. Like it's it's the it's 24, the one with you're in a car with a beautiful boy. That's the only one that's exclusively or like deliberately queer so far. But they all feel queer to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me and knowing that it's a queer author and knowing that it's a queer poem and me applying queer things to everything, of course. But it still feels queer to me. And I think that's really magical in a way that like queer artists are able to do this, that they're able to capture the essence of being queer without it being explicitly queer. And I think it's because we've had to, to master that art for so long. We had to master the art of expressing our love, especially in an art form like poetry, without being crucified for it. So we have to hide it. But it's still different. There's still something different than if a straight artist had written this. And I think that's really, really cool. So finally, the final poem from Richard Sykin is called Planet of Love, which I hope 
I hope you caught that. I caught that. I thought it was so cool. Um, that Dirty Valentine is about, you know, like it says, we're filming the movie called Planet of Love, and this poem. Uh, I don't know. I I thought that was so cool. It, I I just really liked that. I love st- I love stupid stuff like that. Anyway, this is Planet of Love. Imagine this: you're driving, the sky is bright, you look great. In a word, in a phrase, it's a movie. You're the star. So smile for the camera. It's your big scene. You know your lines. I'm the director. I'm in a helicopter. I have a megaphone and you play along because you want to die for love. You always have. Imagine this. You're pulling the car over. Somebody's waiting. You're going to die in your best friend's arms. And you play along because it's funny. Because it's written down. You've memorized it. It's all you know. I say the phrases that keep it all going and everybody plays along. Imagine, someone's pulling a gun, and you're jumping into the middle of it. You didn't think you'd feel this way. There's a gun in your hand. It feels hot. It feels oily. I'm the director, and I'm screaming at you. I'm waving my arms in the sky, and everyone's watching. Everyone's curious. Everyone's holding their breath. And that was Planet of Love. And that was Richard Seiken. I really, really like his art style. I really like his work. These were really cool, and I really want to get some of his books now, particularly Crush, which I believe these all came from, actually, or most of them. Um, my goodness, very, very good. Very good. And thank you to my friend for suggesting these artists, especially Richard. So the final two poets for today uh, are going a little bit further back, though you have probably heard of both of them before. We are starting with Oscar Wilde, if I could get the... Yep, okay. (laughs) Sorry, I have the script pulled up on the computer, but then I have the poems on my phone. It's a whole thing. It's a whole setup. So anyway, Oscar Wilde was an Irish poet and playwright born in 1854 and passing away in 1900. He is best known for for his novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, and for his plays and for being arrested and jailed for for consensual homosexual acts. So these consensual homosexual acts came to light while he was prosecuting the... I forgot to look up the pronunciation of that word, too. I want to say marquee, but I feel like that's wrong. We're going to have a fun little English lesson. Let's see. How do we pronounce it? Marquis. 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 Okay, I would have said that wrong. So while he, this came to light while he was prosecuting the Marquis of Queensbury for criminal libel, who was the father of his lover, Lord Alfred Douglas. Yes, Oscar Wilde was a very big homo. And there's actually, um, it's really funny. He has some accounts of like, uh, particular things that he liked to do and how much he liked them. And I cannot read them on this podcast i literally cannot they are extremely graphic and oh my god but for those 18 and older i very much encourage you to look them up because it's really funny (laughs) so anyway the last piece he wrote uh this the last piece that he wrote he wrote during the two years he spent in jail doing hard labor for his homosexual crimes which was the maximum sentence he could have received and he was and he experienced extreme harassment and ridicule while he was in jail, along with the extremely hard labor. Um, however, the piece that he wrote, The Ballad of Reed and Gowell, is so long. It is so long. Oh my god. Ev- everybody is so long. I'm going to be reading a very short excerpt, but it's a really, really pretty excerpt. 
Um, and I, I like it. It means uh, okay. Anyway, before I over-explain, this is an excerpt from the Ballad of Reading Gowl by Oscar Wilde. Like two doomed ships that pass in storm, we crossed each other's way, but we made no sign. We said no word. We had no word to say, for we did not meet in the holy night, but in a shameful day. A prison wall was round us both. Two outcast men were we. The world had thrust us from its heart, and God from out his care, and the iron gin that waits for sin had caught us in its snare. It's so tragically gay. It's so tragically gay, which, to be fair, a lot of, especially older gay poetry, is very tragic. Um, but it just, like, hurts because, like, well, it hurts for many reasons, honestly. Um, I could go on and on about Oscar Wilde. I think he's so cool. And I just think it's so... Like, also, some of the letters that he wrote to his lover, Alfred, are so gay. So, so, so very gay. They're de they're delightful. Um, so also look those up if you're able to. They're great. Um, but yeah, Oscar Wilde's great. And actually, I just find it really interesting that a lot of people will learn about Oscar Wilde in school, but don't know that he's gay. Extremely gay, in fact. He was very, very gay. In private, kind of. But, like, very, very gay. Um... So yeah, that was Oscar Wilde, and I do encourage you to read the whole Ballad of Reading Gowl. I did not get to finish all of it, just because, as I said, it is so long. Um, for a poem, anyway. Of course, there's been longer ones, but it was a lot longer than I was expecting. Um, so I fully encourage you to read more of Oscar Wilde's work, um, look into his letters and such between him and his lover, Alfred. Uh, if you are, If you think that this would be funny and you're 18 and older... Uh, you should look into what he said about his gay habits and how much he loved doing them. <laughs> but finally, we are going way back to ancient times with this last artist, Sappho. So Sappho was a Greek poet from the island of Lesbos, which is where the term lesbian and sapphic got their names. They're all from Sappho. So she is thought she is thought of by a lot of queer people as like the mother of lesbians or like the OG lesbian. But she is also just generally known as one of the greatest and most influential poets, specifically lyric poets, of all time. There's also been a lot of debate throughout history of whether she was actually gay or not. And most modern scholars agree that she was gay. Um, but there's like a lot of debate as to whether it was like platonic love or not, which it, we all know it wasn't. We all know it wasn't. We all know she was gay. Um, and I mean... One of my favorite pieces of evidence for this was that wait, one of my favorite pieces of evidence, which has actually been used as evidence for both sides, is that she supposedly had a husband at some point. There's also evidence of a child, um, but she supposedly had a husband at one point. There's only one record of his name. It was, I hope I'm pronouncing this even remotely correctly, the name Kirkylis of Andros was the name, which has a very, very funny translation that I'm also very afraid to say on this podcast, <laughs> but... Um, Andros means man, and Kirkylis, uh, is also related to men and their male body. Um, so do with that what you will. Look it up if you want. It's really funny. Uh, and I just think it's further proof that she was a lesbian and was just really, really funny about it. Or alternatively, there are theories that she also just had a husband because that was, like, normal at the time. Um, 
But yeah, unfortunately, most of her works have actually been lost with time. And what little we have is mostly fragments besides her one singular work that we know is complete, Ode to Aphrodite, which is also very pretty. And additionally, very little is known about her personal life, which is why I said, like, supposedly she had a husband. Um, we don't even know who her parents were. Um, we're pretty sure she had at least two brothers. There might have been a third. Again, there might have been a child. Um, there's evidence that she might she might have been a schoolmaster at some point. It's really weird. There's very little known about her personal life. Um, and yet she's still one of the most influential poets of all time. So these are just poems. Um, these are translated by Julia Dubnoff. Um, so these are all various poems and fragments of Sappho. Um, so I suppose, um, here, okay, I'll just read this first part, which, um, is either the entirety of the Ode to Aphrodite or a little bit of, like, fragmentation from both. I'm not totally sure. This website is a little hard to understand. Um, so my apologies for that confusion. But anyway, these are poet, uh, sapphic fragments by Sappho. Immortal Aphrodite, on your intricately brocaded throne, child of Zeus, weaver of wiles, this I pray. Dear lady, don't crush my heart with pains and sorrows, but come here if ever before, when you heard my far-off cry, you listened, and you came, leaving your father's house, yoking your chariot of gold. Then beautiful swift sparrows led you over the black earth from the sky through the middle air, whirling their wings into a blur. Rapidly they came. And you, O oh blessed goddess, a smile on your immortal face. Why did I call again? Oh, no, I, I missed a line. Let me go back. Rapidly they came. And you, O oh blessed goddess, a smile on your immortal face, asked what had happened this time. Why did I call again? And what did I especially desire for myself in my frenzied heart? Who this time am I to persuade to your love? Sappho, who is doing you wrong? For even if she flees, soon she shall, pers soon she shall pursue. And if she refuses gifts, soon she shall give them. If she doesn't love you, soon she shall love even if she's unwilling. Come to me now once again and release me from grueling anxiety. All that my heart longs for, fulfill, and be yourself my ally in love's battle. Some say an army of horsemen, some of foot soldiers, some of ships, is the fairest thing on the black earth. But I say it is what one loves. It is very easy to make this clear to everyone. For Helen, by far surpassing mortals in beauty, left the best of all husbands and sailed to Troy, mindful of neither her child nor her dead parents, but with one glimpse she was seduced by Aphrodite. For easily bent and nimbly, there's missing text here, has reminded me now of Anectoria, who is not here. I would much prefer to see the lovely way she walks and the radiant glance of her face than the war char chariots of the Lydians or their foot soldiers in arms. That man to me seems equal to the gods, the man who sits up opposite to you and close by listens to your sweet voice and your enticing laughter, that indeed has stirred up the heart in my breast. For whenever I look at you even briefly, I can no longer say a single thing, but my tongue is frozen in silence. Instantly, a delicate flame runs beneath my skin. With my eyes, I see nothing. My ears make a whirring noise. A cold sweat covers me. Trembling seizes my body, and I am greener than grass. Lacking but little de of death do I seem. Yeah, that was a little bit of Sappho. So, yeah, it said in my research that the Ode to Aphrodite is the only one that we have complete. 
though considering part of this it literally just says that like there's text missing i'm assuming that there's like it's we know that this is all of it and like there isn't any part of the poem missing like like full-on lines there's just like part of it that we can't understand or comprehend so yeah that was a large collect well not large that was a collection of five uh queer poets for today and i hope you enjoyed the poetry i hope i have a good reading voice i think i do and we also made it to 30 minutes which i was honestly really afraid we wouldn't so i'm proud of myself (laughs) so i hope you guys enjoyed the poems i hope you guys enjoyed the poetry and i really hope that you um are able to look more into some of these poets um either way i really really do recommend button poetry um they don't just have queer artists they just have poetry of all of all sorts there's some of my like some of my favorite poets and poetry that i've ever read or heard exists on button poetry um like one of my favorite poems about ocd by uh, neil hillborn i think i discovered him through button poetry it's about his experience with ocd um really really good um and i'm kind i'm struggling to remember some of my other favorite authors um there's oh god it's blythe something i believe her name is she does poems about um eating disorders and she has one on being gay um and she has some on her experience as a victim of sexual assault um and quite a few other things on there so yeah check out button poetry and um be sure to look to if you're able to and you're interested look up ollie schminke andrea gibson um i really really liked richard Sykin and i really do want to get some of his books um look more into oscar wilde and of course look into sappho and look into the <laughs> translation of her husband's name because <laughs> it's really funny uh, but anyway yeah that does wrap up today's episode i hope you have a great rest of your week hope you had some fun chilling with me and listening to some gay poetry today Uh, So yeah, have a good one, everybody, and I'll see you next week.